I am reminded as I stand to preach this morning that I'm a father and a grandfather and that I have those responsibilities and those roles and that they are important. I'm no longer a teenager or a young adult. And someone mentioned to me this week that you are the father in our church. And while I resist that role a little bit, I know that fathers do assume important responsibilities in communities of faith and communities at large. And fathers, men in the room, grandfathers, uncles, people who are spiritual fathers, I want to call you today to the task that is before us as men of God to lead spiritually in our homes, our churches, our community, and call all of us to a new sense of our responsibility before the Lord to speak the truth, live the truth, and do the truth. Michael Harrison, the chief of police, is a friend of mine, and I grieve for him today. And I know there are some NOPD folks here or retired. Let me see your hands if you are NOPD, okay. And we usually have several in the room, and we are praying for you all and for the families of the NOPD because it's a time of sorrow and it's a time of crisis. But God has equipped us as his people to speak to the need of the hour, to speak to the need of our families. And as I thought about giving praise to God on Father's Day, it occurred to me that maybe there is praise embedded in the blessing that Jacob spoke in Genesis 48. So I went to Genesis 48 not remembering all that Jacob said, but wanting to reread it. And I think, indeed, it is a blessing filled with praise. So this is the first of six messages that are going to focus on events in the Bible that elicited praise from the people of God. And in Genesis chapter 48, we have this text. I'm going to start reading in verse 10. Israel, by the way, is Jacob's new name. Jacob meant supplanter. Israel means a prince of God, a name that he got after wrestling with the angel at the brook and overcoming. Now, Israel's eyes were failing. I must tell you now that Israel has the same affliction as his father Isaac. And when Isaac's eyes had failed completely, Israel, then named Jacob, took advantage of his aged and blind father to steal the birthright of his brother. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, excuse me, it's not what he said, it's what I'm saying to you, all right? Israel said to Joseph, 
I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand, and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, and I want you to read this blessing with me. Are you ready? Let's read it together. May the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. This is the blessing Jacob spoke over his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and his son, Joseph, because it says he blessed Joseph. I had the privilege of participating in the blessing of a grandson of mine. My son, Joshua, had an event in the canyons there uh, near Lubbock, Texas. There are canyons that go down from the uh, high plateau to the plain below, and we went hiking in one of those, and we stopped, and we focused on Jackson, nine years of age, and his father got down on one knee in front of him and read the scripture to him, read a poem that he had written for him, and I spoke to my grandson Jackson a word from the text of scripture and a poem that I love, and we blessed that boy on purpose and intentionally. Following the pattern that is seen here in the Old Covenant, where Jacob blesses his son and his grandsons, to be delivered in the blessing, to be prepared for the moment, to speak to your children with such deliberation. It is important. It is an awesome moment. It's a moment to be remembered. Ephraim and Manasseh are going to remember this moment with their grandfather, I'm sure, for the rest of their lives. Jackson, too, is going to remember that moment in the canyon, in that natural amphitheater where we spoke to him very deliberately and passed the blessing on to him. We want to bless our children and our grandchildren. And when Jacob who serves as a role model for us in this blessing. When he speaks the blessing, he also gives praise to God, and he speaks forth his faith in God. And I have four questions for you as a parent or a grandparent, someone who blesses the children as we look at this text today. And the first question is, has God been acknowledged in your family? Jacob acknowledges that God has been part of his family through his history 
of his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac. Maybe your answer to the question, has God been acknowledged in your family, is a no. Maybe you are the first among those in your family who came to know Christ as Lord and who are acknowledging him in prayer and Bible reading and before the family. Maybe your answer is slow. Well, there were some ways in which my family acknowledged God's presence. Well, I want you to fasten on those ways in which your family, your father, your grandfather, your grandparents before you acknowledged God's presence. Because no parent or grandparent is perfect. No family history is without its skeletons. Everybody grows up with some reason to be bitter. Jacob's father, Isaac, chose his brother Esau over him. He made it very plain that he was doing so. Esau was his favorite. It was only blind Isaac, fooled by the goat's hair put on the arms of Jacob, who passed the blessing on to Jacob. Blind Isaac said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. You smell of the field. And so he blessed him. Jacob could have held resentment in his heart. George Shin worshipped with us and Denise's wife for a time when they were owners of the Hornets. And George was interviewed for an article today in the paper that I found interesting. I read a little bit. And part of what they asked him is, how did you respond to the problems of Hurricane Katrina? And he gave a phrase that I heard him use before, the tough times don't make us bitter. They make us better. Anybody can be bitter about life upbringing and family. I am sure your father and your mother were not perfect. But I want you now to think about the ways in which your family acknowledged God. If there were ways, did you go to church? Was there a Bible in your house? Did you pray on special occasion? Did your parents and grandparents talk about their faith. Maybe like me, you had a home where faith was very out front and you prayed around the table at every meal. Maybe that was your home. I'm grateful for my father who acknowledged that God walked with him and that God was part of our family. But my father was not perfect any more than yours was perfect. When Jacob says that God has been present in his family and that Abraham and Isaac, his father and grandfather, walked before the Lord faithfully, he knew that those guys, Abraham and Isaac, his father and grandfather, were not perfect. Yes, Abraham is known as the father of the faithful, but he failed more than once to be faithful even to his wife Sarah, putting her at risk with a deception 
that he worked in Egypt. Isaac did a similar thing with Rebekah. They were not perfect people. So Jacob chooses to use the word faithful to describe his father and his grandfather, although he knows they were not perfectly faithful. It is important for you to look back in your heritage, and though you have been hurt, though you grew up with some wounds, to recognize the places in which God was acknowledged in your family and to celebrate that acknowledgement. To thank God for the wisdom handed down to you, for the faith that you experienced, the hope that you received, though it was not without its mixture and taint of failure. It still was a genuine thing passed on to you, and it is important to acknowledge if there is bitterness in your heart toward your family of origin. And to say, God deliver me from being bitter and let my difficulties make me better instead of bitter. The only way you can move from bitter to better is to forgive. you got to do it. Forgiveness is the way you clip the root off of bitterness. And it's important for you and your spiritual health to forgive if your parents, your grandparents, those who were taking care of you and supposed to love you, if they hurt you, it's important for you to forgive. Jacob favored his son Joseph in a very unwise and overt way. He turned his brothers against him with his favoritism. Joseph himself was unwise too and foolish in what he related to his brothers. But it all came to a head when his brothers, wanting to kill him, were persuaded only to sell him into slavery. Joseph is now kneeling in front of the man who unwisely favored him, gave him the coat of many colors, and lifted him above his brothers when he was young. And he is receiving the blessing from Jacob, even though Jacob contributed to the sorrow that filled his life when he went as a slave to Egypt. Has your family acknowledged the presence of God? If they have, celebrate that fact. Amen. All right? Second question. Have you been aware of God as your shepherd? I ask, have you been aware? Because oftentimes we're not aware, particularly if we're going through heartache and difficulty. We don't see God. We, we ask the question, where is God? 
It's in retrospect that we discover that, yes, I see the fingerprints and footprints of God in my life. I just didn't realize it back then how he was taking care of me. Jacob says, God has been my shepherd all my life. Now, did Jacob make some bad turns? Yes, he did. The shepherd cannot guarantee that the sheep will not be dumb or foolish or go somewhere they're not supposed to go. Jacob is particularly aware that when he got into a fix, God delivered him. I am confident that one of these days when you stand before God, you're going to be surprised at the number of times God intervened in your life to protect you like a shepherd does. Jacob was a shepherd. For 21 years, he took care of the flocks. He counted his wealth in sheep and goats and donkeys and camels. He worked for seven years for Rachel and got Leah. What was he doing during that time? He was a shepherd. He worked another seven years to get Rachel as a shepherd. He worked another seven years. He knew as he was shepherding those sheep that God was shepherding him, caring for him, sustaining him, protecting him, watching over him. Are you aware of God shepherding you? Can you spot his hand in your life? If you can, and you should, it is a place to praise the Lord. You ought to take every opportunity of healing in the family to thank God for his providential care over your family. I praise God even if the dentist extracts a bad tooth. There's a lot of things to be thankful for when you lose a tooth. Like, uh, you know, they can deaden that spot now. You know, that, that's something to be thankful for. And you can always say, God, thank you for designing my body to recover from disease and harm and injury. God is so good that he's built healing into the process of life. So in any way, however it comes, however you get better, however you recover, you acknowledge God in the moment. You thank God for watching over you like a shepherd watches over the sheep. You take the moment to say, thank you, God. I'm glad to be out of the hospital. Thank you for the doctors. That's acknowledging God's shepherding. It needs to be vocalized as praise unto him. Praising God for all the ways that he cares for you every day in the process of life. Jacob is doing that as he talks to his grandsons and he passes on the blessing to them. He's acknowledging that God has been caring for him all his life long. It is a word of faith and a word of praise that he speaks with his grandsons before him. Third question, have you been delivered? Jacob says that God has been the angel who delivered me from all harm. Now, Jacob experienced some bad times. He experienced some wounds and sorrow and difficulty. And yet he says God delivered him from all harm. He uses the word angel to describe God here. 
Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau, from whom he had stolen the birthright from his blind father, Isaac. He was running away. He was leaving his family. He felt isolated and alone. He laid down in this remote spot in the wilderness. He had a stone for a pillow. He fell asleep. He was afraid. He had this vision, and he woke up in the middle of the night. He'd seen this ladder going from that very spot to heaven with the angels going up and down on it. And he woke up and said, the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. God was delivering him in the process of his journey. God was watching over him even as he fled. There may be somebody in this room who who feels very isolated and alone. It's just that period in your life. Circumstances have brought you to this place and you feel like you lost your support group. You left them behind somewhere. God is deliverer, Jacob says. He is the angel who delivered me from all harm. And he is with you in this spot in your life. No matter how it feels, God is watching over you as shepherd. He is delivering you as the angel who cares for you. Now, Jacob chooses to put this story of deliverance, this word of deliverance, into the blessing of his grandchildren. He turns it into part of the narrative. So I want to know, do you have a story of deliverance? Dad, mom, grandparent. Have you got a story of deliverance? I urge you, tell your story to your children and grandchildren. Let the story be part of your conversation. They told these stories of deliverance to their children and their grandchildren on purpose because the children are listening and they're receiving it all in. And Ephraim and Manasseh are going to remember these words for the rest of their lives. They're going to echo in their heart. They're going to shape who they are. These words are going to work their way into those boys' spiritual DNA. And you want to do that with the story that you tell to your children and your grandchildren. So do you have a story of deliverance? The most common story of deliverance that we hold together as the people of God is the story of how when we were trapped in sin and unable to help ourselves, God reached down and picked us up from the miry clay and put us on a solid foundation. That's the story, the common story of our deliverance. Our God delivers us from the mire of sin. Have you got that story to tell? Can you relate to your children and grandchildren how you first recognized that you were trapped in sin and how you reached out to God and through Christ he forgave you and made you his own? It's important that the children know your story of deliverance because they will one day feel trapped by their sin as well. It happens to every human being. Every human being feels the weight of guilt and shame. It is common to all humans. They feel it because they break God's law and do what they ought not to do and fail to do what they ought to do. Even those grandchildren who seem to be sinlessly perfect when they are two, 
stop being so pretty quickly. And you realize, and they realize, they are sinners too. Passing on your story of deliverance to your children and your grandchildren encourages them that their sin can be forgiven, that they can know the Lord in a personal way, and they can be part of the family of God. So it's part of our faith story to give that story of deliverance. Now, I've been telling my story for all these years, how God saved me when I was a boy. I became conscious of my need of a Savior and asked Christ to save me in the living room of our home in Holly, Minnesota. That's where I knelt down and prayed. And God did indeed change my life. It is a spiritual marker to this day. I've got this moment in my mind. There are other spiritual markers in my mind as well and probably in yours too. I remember when I was 18 or 19 being at a youth camp as a sponsor. Our kids are at youth camp right now. And I've not told very many people about this spiritual event in my life, but I remember it vividly to this day. Even though I knew that God forgave me when I came to Christ for the first time, and I knew that he put aside all my sin, I had lived long enough as an older teen to accumulate some more sin. And it was at that camp where I realized that God continued to forgive my sin and that I could walk out of that meeting white as snow on the inside. That's a spiritual marker in my life, and it is a point of deliverance. You have those markers too. I want you to think about them. Where your opinion changed about your relationship to God, where you got a glimpse of the character and grace of God and His forgiveness where it was dramatic in your life that God had intervened, where God answered a prayer that you made, and maybe even nobody knew you were praying. But you have those spiritual markers, and they are tremendous stories to pass on to your children and your grandchildren. They are stories of faith and deliverance. You are blessed if you can say, My fathers walked with God and acknowledged his presence. And God has been my shepherd all my life through. He has been the angel who delivered me from all harm. You are a blessed person. And if you can tell those stories and you can acknowledge the activity of God in your life, you can pass on the blessing. So that's my last question is, can you speak the blessing to your children and your grandchildren. Can you speak the blessing? Jacob, flawed as he was, the supplanter, the man who was twisted, the man who was deceptive, a thief and a liar, passed on the blessing to his children and his grandchildren in this moment we've just read about. Even though he failed miserably in so many ways, he still understood the forgiveness of God. And he knew that God had blessed him and that God had been with him. And he spoke that word of blessing over his children. We are right now speaking the very words over the little ones that they will remember the rest of their lives The things we say, how we say them, the very words we speak. You can bless the children by giving praise to God for all he's done for you 
and passing on the narrative of faith. And you can curse the children too by what you say and how you say it. You can pass on the curse or the blessing. Jacob is very deliberate in wanting in this moment to pass on the blessing to his grandsons. Now, he blesses Joseph, the scripture says, by placing his hands on the heads of Ephraim and Manasseh and speaking the blessing upon them. He says, bless these boys. God blessed these boys. And in the blessing of his grandchildren, he blesses his son, Joseph. That's true of you. Nothing so blesses you as seeing the blessing of God on your children. Isn't it true? If you could pick, you'd put the blessing on them before it ha- you had it on you. If you could physically take the blessing of God and put it on the heads of those children and grandchildren, you'd do it because that's the greatest blessing you can experience in this life is to see God's hand upon them and their hearts full of faith and hope and love and peace. That's what you want for your kids and your grandkids. So that's what you speak. You speak the faith and hope and love and peace of the Lord Jesus over your children. You guard your mouth very carefully. If you are a quick-tempered man or woman, you bite your tongue most fervently, most quickly, most deliberately in the presence of those little ones, and you don't let a word escape that will curse them. You want to speak the blessing deliberately, carefully, and repeatedly upon the ones you love. Jesus did this with us. Blessed are you poor in spirit. Blessed are you who are mourning. Blessed are you who are hungry and thirsting for righteousness. Blessed are you peacemakers. Blessed are people, even when reviled and persecuted, for righteousness' sake. Jesus speaks the blessing over us. We call them the Beatitudes. Lord Jesus, let us be more like you. Even in this matter that has come before us this week in our country, the murder of nine people in a Bible study in a church in South Carolina. Even in this, we learn how to speak the blessing instead of the curse. Somebody help fill that young man's mind with the thoughts that ended in violence and hatred. You think that's an uncommon thing in the world? No, it's a very common thing to hate your enemy, to hate your neighbor who is unlike you, different color, different culture, different language. 
It is the most common thing in the human heart to suppose that you got it right and people who do it differently got it wrong. That you are the one. You are the standard and the people that don't look like you, they're just bizarre and strange. It's the most common thing in the world to harbor in your heart this pride that says, I'm the top and everybody else is second. And so we have ethnic violence and hatred all over this globe today. And it is common in the human family. I hope that you will not pass on the curse to your children by sowing in them a sense of superiority toward their neighbor. That you will not sow in them a perspective that says you're better than other people. I hope that you will pass on the blessing which says what? That every person bears the image of God and is of infinite worth and you are to love them as you love yourself. That is what it means to follow Christ. And we must follow him in this, in the words we speak, the attitudes we entertain, the fellowship we experience in our family. Oh, for heaven's sake, people of God, let's love our neighbor and pass on the blessing. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, we have such a sense of inadequacy and failure when we look at ourselves and just like Jacob, we know, we know where we have come short. And yet, Lord, you continue to be present with us, to shepherd us, to, to deliver us. And, and Lord, we love you for that. We thank you that your loving kindness is better than life that you are so faithful, your grace is so deep, so great, so wide in our lives. And God, we pray that this very grace will transform how we speak, how we raise our children, how we relate to our, our grandchildren, how we care for one another, how we express ourselves in a world torn by hatred and strife. Lord, make us more like you. Help us pass on the blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.